This is Jim. Welcome to Not a Moped Podcast. Hey, welcome everybody to Not a Moped Podcast. That's right. We're doing something a little different on this episode of Second Chance Moped Podcast. I'm I'm always looking for something different and I kind of have my eye out for different stuff and like this weekend I went riding um with the scooter gang again and it was kind of it was interesting because it was led by a fucking DEA agent which um <laughs> I still don't know how I feel about that but no I ended up hanging out with the with the kind of the bad boys in the back some of the mini bike riders that weren't exactly legal but it was fine uh it was fun but anyways back to this special episode I will on Instagram we all get the suggestions and stuff and I'll just put out there every once in a while to somebody hey i think it's fucking rad what you're doing and i did it to our guest a couple weeks ago and i realized she's a totally busy lady and blah 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 and she got back to me the other day and we just got bs i'm like hey but why we keep going on this q a i do a podcast um as you probably see i think i hit her up on my personal account is way anyways um i'm like do you just want to come on talk about your like two-wheeled journey because like she did do, she's got some pretty cool stats in her book, we'll say. And I just wanted to find out more about it. And I'm becoming that guy. Well, if we're going to talk, let's do it on a podcast. So uh, I'm just going to have my guest introduce herself, where she's from and what her two cycle or two, not two cycle per se, but her two wheel journey is all about right now. Well, thank you so much. Um, I am Valerie Thompson and I'm a 10 time land speed record holder and a class of 2018 Sturgis Hall of Fame um, inductee. And I am the world's fastest female with a top speed of 328 miles per hour on a motorcycle. That is moving. Like I've done. Did did I just say a mouthful? (laughs) That's like, I've done a buck. 40 in my life and that's moving like, well not, it's nothing like <laughs> no like and i've been out i've never been there for the land speed trials but like i've been to uh the salt flats and anybody in the midwest can maybe identify with this like imagine the brightest snowy day ever magnify that by like 10 there's a reason why everybody's wearing sunglasses <laughs> out there it is so bright but that is freaking rad that you like that is unbelievable. Um, and we'll get into that later part of the podcast, but like here, Valerie, we go through people's two wheel journeys. What happened? I eat the very first time they ever saw a bike or whatever, um, to getting on and the, we call it the moped world, the smile ride, um, kind of the middle part and what it's like today. So Valerie, let me ask you, what's your first memory of like a motorcycle, moped, mini bike, whatever? Like when's the first time you really remember seeing them in your life? Well, I have to be honest and I've never shared this with any of my viewers or uh, recently or even in the past. And a lot of people don't know this about me, but I was introduced to a moped. That's, that's <laughs> and- great when I was in high school Mm -hmm. and I was getting ready to, I was waiting for my, uh, my classmate and she was getting ready and she has a brother and the brothers was out there with some friends. They had a moped and I was really intrigued by the moped. And I had the, um, a way about me was like, I can do that. I can, I can ride on that moped. Well, they told me what to do. And so 
I get on the moped my own self and mm-hmm. I was fine driving away. But when I turned around, that was an issue. Um, and then when I was going back to where I needed to go back, where everybody is watching me, <laughs> um, I gave it a lot of gas, but I didn't know where the brake was. So I didn't know where to stop and how to stop the moped. Mm. So, and, you know, mopeds are very touchy. They, they yep. have some, um, you know, they're, they're a little bit uh, high performance. <laughs> yeah, Some of them can be, but this one was really fast. And like I said, I was re- ready to get to go to the fair, our, mm-hmm. our, our Pierce County fair. And we were all getting dressed up us girls and I ended up crashing into three mailboxes into the slid into the beauty bark. And I had a little bit of oopsie with that moped moment. (laughs) I mean, I had beauty bark in my ear. I had beauty bark every single place that you can imagine beauty bark. I don't know if you know what beauty bark is, but no, I was going to ask you what part of the world country, whatever did you grow up in? In Tacoma, Washington. Okay. And the beauty bark was, um, it's it's what you uh, filler for like trees and bushes. And mm-hmm. it's uh, very, it, there's lots of things that you can get on your hands. Uh, what do they call it? Um, shoot. It's been such a long time. I'm not even in, I'm not even like, who talks about beauty bark these days in Arizona? <laughs> Nobody. We have rock. Yeah. Well, anyways, we have rock you get a little stickers. Um, a lot of, you know, like, like it just was just horrible. And yeah. I had it in my hair. I mean, everywhere you can imagine it was just horrible. And yeah. that's scared me, you know, yeah. for my first two wheel experience, but um, since then I've become quite the professional. <laughs> yeah, I definitely say that. So obviously you didn't um, crash, get off and never touch again. Like what's your next ex- two wheel experience? Like, and let me ask you, do you remember what kind of moped that was? I do not. Oh, okay. no, I don't no remember worries. it whatsoever. Um, I just remember it being laying down there and <laughs> like, Oh, what I do. <laughs> yeah. More hurt. I, got, I picked myself up and like. I got ready and I got back out to that Puyallup fair. I tell you, I was like no time flat in Washington state. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, the, the, it, it kind of like with my personality, the way that things evolve in my life, um, I was invited to go for a ride on the back of a motorcycle and this guy said, Hey, would you like to go in the back? And I said, yes, I would love to. And I was really nervous about even going on the back of a motorcycle. And um, I get to his house and he's like, Oh, well, I, you know, I'm really particular about my bike. I just don't want your jeans to scratch my fender. Your <laughs> jeans will scratch my fender because it was a little licking, licking stick on the back of the fender. And I was like, my jeans aren't going to scratch that fender, you know, but it's not going to touch it. So he said, I can take you down to the Harley Davidson dealership and you can go check out a bike if you'd like, Hmm. because there's a lot of women that are out there riding uh, motorcycles. So we ended up going there the next day. And I tell you this, I bought my first 1999 Sportster. I didn't know how to ride it. I never been on a motorcycle. I, and I mean, besides my moped, <laughs> but, yeah. um, it was, it was, uh, they said I couldn't take it because I had to get my driver's license, you know, for, you know, riding a motorcycle, my mm-hmm. endorsement. And that it was just hilarious how I buy a motorcycle. I don't know how to ride it. I get my endorsement like weeks later, and then it's time for me to take the bike home. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm getting home because I'm 45 min- minutes away from home <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's all freeway. 
Oh yeah. With lots of traffic. So he ended up riding the bike home for me and I rode it a few times around town and it literally sat in my garage for three months. Okay. And that's how my two wheel journey really started. <laughs> so what really got the addiction going then? Because I mean, it's obviously an addiction at this point, if you're setting land speed records and everything else, like well, now what, made is, you, yes. what, what made you decide to get it out of the garage after letting it sit around for a couple months or how did that progression happen? So one of my good friends, uh, Tim Ross, he uh, calls and says, Hey, what are you doing? I said, Oh, I don't know. You know, just, you know, have one of those days and, he says, yeah, I'm going for a bike ride. And I said, oh, well, what kind of bike do you have? And he, and I was thinking it was like more of a pedal bike. He said, well, that's mm-hmm. a Harley Davidson. I said, well, I have a Harley Davidson. And he says, no, you don't. I said, yeah, I do. It's a Sportster <laughs> sitting in my garage. It's been sitting there for three months and I don't know what to do with it. You know, I feel like I've made a bad investment, Yep. you know, and blah, blah, blah. So he said, well, the only way that you can come riding with us, with our group, is if you ride to keep up. And I said, well, all right, I'll I'll keep up with you. And, you know, so I was pushing my way into the conversation as far as, you know, like, I want to go, I want the experience. And so I ended up going riding with uh, him and his, with his friends and there, they were so out of control. It was amazing. It was like, I want to be just like them. Mm -hmm. So I rode and I had to keep up. But the thing was, is that I got a little mixed up in the marbles, which is the rocks, the gravel. And I kind of took a seat back because I said, I'm riding over my skill limit. Mm -hmm. Um, And remind you, this is probably my very first real ride in through the mountains and like going up to like Mount Rainier area or somewhere. We were now, are you down in Arizona at this point? Are you stopping? I'm in Arizona. No, I was in Washington state. Okay. So, um, so I, I, I just rode with like eventually in a short nutshell, I kept, pers- you know, pursuing to ride real fast with people. And, and, and at that time I started meeting multiple friends mm-hmm. and multiple friends turned into, you know, way more friends than I would ever thought that I would ever have in the Harley world. So, yeah. and then that brought me to where I got laid off from my job for from 13 years of banking. Then I started working at the Harley Davidson dealership. Then I really met my good, you know, really the good family, the, the family in your, in the writing uh, community. And so then I started going on bike rallies. I came to Arizona and I said, if any one place I'm ever going to live, it will be here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Interesting. Four months later, I'm here in Scottsdale. I buy a condo and I start drag racing down Scottsdale Road and I'm out Mm -hmm. of control. My friend, my Arizona friend said, take it to the racetrack. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I said, okay. Um, So I took it to the racetrack months later with a a few of my other friends, Charlie Mitchell and um, the whole game from Trust Performance and here local in Arizona. And so we just kept making hot laps down the racetrack a quarter mile and mm-hmm. I just never left. And I, yeah, yeah. Here I am. <laughs> that's how my whole entire journey started. No, All because my friend said, you need to ride to keep up. So yep. that pushed me to my new limits, uh, limits that I didn't think that I had in within me. Um, mm-hmm. But I knew I had a lot in me, but I just didn't know how to exercise it out. It, you know, I didn't know how to, how to become that person, but I found out quickly. And then, you know, by taking another chance, moving to Arizona, didn't know one single person here. Um, and I just did it. And, yeah. uh, no, that's, that's totally rad. And a lot of, even though we have 
different journeys and different two-wheeled adventures. Uh, there's so much in your story I can identify with myself. Like that first big group ride, I for myself, yeah. like, I was um, I you don't know anything about me, and the audience knows a little bit about me. Like I used to race go karts all over the country, four cycle and two cycle. And the first time I had gotten in a group ride and smelt all the two cycle, I was just like, <laughs> that was something I had missed for 20 years. I was just like, oh yeah. my fucking God. And it was just, I, I call it a few different things. Like, and I'm sure you have experienced this riding on your bike. I call it touching the sky. Like just when everything's just right. And you're just, mm-hmm. you're just shit eating grin the whole time. And like, you Absolutely. don't even have to be going fast at that point. Mm-hmm. Like you're just, the temperature's right. The bike's running perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's like nothing fucking matters in the world except yep. for that moment you're in. And like, absolutely. Yeah. And- I, I, when I wrote, wrote, my friends would tell me like, gosh, you just have this glow about you. You always smile. And then a couple of people have said, and it was so weird how they said it because they're two different kind, types of people. Mm-hmm. You have a pregnant glow about you when you're on your motorcycle. And, you know, like pregnant glows is a very good thing when you are mm-hmm. pregnant. <laughs> yes. But when you're on a Harley Davidson or on a two wheel and you're on a journey and you are just like, I mean, you just feel like you're, I mean, you're one with a bike and it's just like such an amazing experience when you first start out mm-hmm. riding a motorcycle, because it's something that you really have to conquer. You know, it's like, it builds up your confidence. Uh, you know, it builds up that courage and, um, you know, you're just smiling all the way through the gears. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's, I can identify with you on so many, except for like being the whole girl thing on a motorcycle, but other than that, I totally identify. Like, um, yeah. And I, I, I'm interested in how you got on like the racing side of it. You said you're going dragging up and down Scottsdale, Arizona, like somehow I, I don't, like literally they said, take it to the track. And so I did. Yeah, and yeah. that's how it really started. But, you know, I didn't know anything about drag racing. I mean, I really knew nothing about a burnout. I didn't know how to do a burnout. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know anything. And I just learned, I just watched, I asked lots of questions and I took drag racing school uh, from George Bryce. We went down to Florida and took his school for you know drag racing and that's my dog hey, <laughs> i think i heard the squeaker i'm like oh we got a pupper in the room i gave him a new toy it's a new ducky and so now he's broke into my office and he's squeaking with the toy under my desk that's awesome <laughs> but um anyway so yeah i mean i went to drag racing schools and you know it was just it, just trying to take the the drag racing whole experience to a whole new level and um you know, just trying to self-educate myself. And that's what I was going to ask you. Were you going to schools so you could be safer or was it so you could learn more about it? Because like, I'm I'm a person where Uh, I get, I fall in love with something and like, I want to absorb all the information I possibly can. And I get very obsessive about it, if you will. And like, yeah. I guess that's what happened to me because I, I was obsessed by, you know, overloading my mind with all the information. I was like a sponge and, and you have to be, you know, to, to learn that sport, you've got to absorb the sponge. (laughs) It's like water (laughs) in a sponge, but um, you know, 
And then when you have so many people just yapping in your ear and telling you this way and that way and this way, it's like you can never find your own self. You know, it's like, how can I find like who Valerie is and what, how Valerie, how her style is, you know, I had so many people at the starting line, just chomping in my ear, just talking and talking and telling me what not to do, you know, and telling me I don't red light, you know, in a drag racing world. And that's the worst thing you want to tell anybody. That's the last thing you're going to think about before you, you know, just give that full throttle and dump that clutch and you're going to red light. It's like, or are you going to sit on the tree forever and watch a person blow? (laughs) Yeah. You're just like, Oh, there he goes. Yep. Bye. I'll join you at the end. Yeah. So you got in. Now, were you a writer or were you like doing some wrenching or how did, how did that work for you in that? Cause like, and I'm, I don't care. Like some people get yeah. weird It's in the moped community. Some people like, Oh, mm-hmm. they don't work on their bikes. Like, dude, I don't care. Like, yeah. Cause they just have oh. what's called moped GP Midwest. And uh-huh. some people were only riders there and they had a mechanic mm-hmm. and some people did all their mechanic work and didn't ride and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yep. well, I grew up in racing. So like that was, I was very used to that. I mean, my family, we did all our own work, but like, I'm not here to judge anybody if they're doing it or the, mm-hmm. but how did you kind of get into the drag racing? Was it just, you were a rider or a mechanic or a bit of both or. No, it was that one person that just told me that I was out of control to take it to the racetrack. And, and I did, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I did it with other people as well. And, you know, once we did that, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm here, <laughs> I'm here to stay. And that's why I proceeded to take drag racing schools, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all over. And, you know, I, I never knew, you know, really how to wrench on my motorcycle, but I knew, I knew the fundamentals and I was a good rider because I listened to my motorcycle mm-hmm. and, you know, in order to be a good racer, you have, to, there's a lot of, you have to know, you know, like slipping the clutch and, you know, how the tire spins and, you know, like the gears and, and, you know, when it's starving for some fuel and, you know, it's like, I, I, I feel it, you know, I know yep. this motorcycle needs a little bit of, mm. um, and so in, in the highest level of drag racing, which is really the NHRA, um, you know, I, I had a short, uh, you know, a short time in that world in 2008. And, um, you know, with the economy, when I lost all my sponsors, you know, we went on a downward spiral and mm-hmm. back in those days and I lost all my sponsors. And so um, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me, to be honest. However, I at racing at that high level, you cannot be for me as a woman, there's just no way I could be the wrench. I could be the writer. I could be the one, you know, driving all through all 16 states, you know, Mm -hmm. like even though I did drive my own truck and trailer, which is about 48 feet altogether in length, you know, maybe 50, but at that time, and you you know, so I took my dog and him and I, we went to all the drag racing events um, through the all Harley drag racing association, which is the AHDRA. And it was just an amazing time, you know, and I, I did have, um, a, a crew chief and I did have teamed up with another, uh, writer as well. And so we kind of put it together. We yep. shared crew chiefs. So you really have to share the expenses with that because, you know, I mean, yes, I had sponsors, but 
you're always broke before you leave the door anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, and you it's, know, it's the 1%. The one yeah, percent's making the money. The rest, of everybody's just trying to get to the next race. I absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, you really have to, you know, fight your battles. Are you going to be the wrench? Or are you going to be mm-hmm. the driver or rider? And especially um, at that higher so, level, you have to specialize in one thing or the other. I. You really do. Yeah. You know what? I'm I'm good at what I do. So let me be me. Mm-hmm. If you can let me be me, I can go out there and go make some rounds. Go out there and race. And you know, so it's. Come on, pretty. <laughs> Your little squeaky ducky is right here. <laughs> Everybody's wondering what kind of dog is it? Uh, a, a Maltese. I have two Maltese. Uh, okay. One's three and one's four, uh, Brit and Bentley. <laughs> nice, nice. There's a, Moped people have really gotten into cats lately. And there's another uh-huh. Moped podcast out there called Moped Monday. And uh-huh. I keep on encouraging them to have a spinoff mm-hmm. podcast called four paws a cat chat i'm just saying you guys it's gotta happen how cute is that see i'm telling you like i, I just don't have time i'm telling you big heat <laughs> if you listen this four paws a cat chat but I love um it. yeah i have all the respect in the world for anybody who can actually go out and go to a multi-state events like that they can actually mm-hmm. get it done that's unbelievable um I 2008, you kind of lost your sponsors, lost your ride. Like, hey, I've had yeah. raised my hand. I bad accident. Sponsors thought mm-hmm. I was a liability. I never really got to race competitively again after that. But mm-hmm. um, for yourself, like, how was your next? How did you take that? Like, did you just kind of walk? Were you still like daily riding at that point? Once you kind of realized, like, I just can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you kind of accept that? Well, it was really hard to accept it because I was still pounding away at the pavement. I was still, you know, wrapped up in my computer, learning the ropes and learning how to sell myself. Because number one, I didn't have a lot underneath my belt to showcase and say, I am going to be that next champ, you know? Um, Yes, when I, in my second year of drag racing, I came third in the nation and in the Western swing, Western division, I was seven points away from first place, oh, wow. you know, and that was like such a huge accomplishment. And mm-hmm. then, you know, like me, I'm just like, go big or go home. So my third year, I was like, oh, I'm going to go race an NHRA pro stop motorcycle, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, I had the perfect sponsor. I had the money, I had the contract. I had everything that was at the fingertips and, you know, just to go and do that. And um, things were a little bit, you know, tight and, and things just didn't work out to my, to my favor and their favor. And, you know, I, I really lost my sponsors. And so, but it was a, like I said, it was a great time to take a seat back for a couple of years rebuild and reanalyze what do I want to do with my life I know this is something I want to carry out I know this is something I want to do but how do I reinvent the Valerie brand (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know how do I go forward so uh, the opportunity and the land speed racing was always there and I just kept going and, and going back to the land speed racing environment and it's probably like the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yes. Do I love drag racing? I do. I love watching 
it on TV. And, you know, Angel Sampe is that just won the, uh, the nationals at the uh, Charlotte race. I mean, go for her. I mean, good mm -hmm. for her. She's, you know, a three-time champ, you know, it's like, I'm cheering those girls on. However, mm -hmm. it's not for me. You know, I I'm in the racing world for land speed racing. I'm racing for, uh, to be in the history books and that's where I want to be. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go out first round. I don't want to be not qualified. You know, it takes a lot of money and it takes a huge team with a huge village. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it takes a lot of resource. I'm not out there trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm, you know, in my fifties, I'm not looking forward to doing all that. I just, you know, I want to be in the history books. I can race as long as I want, as long as I have, you know, that, 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 as long as I have that spirit to be mm -hmm. out there racing. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to race and I'm going to retire at 400 miles per hour. And yes, That's I did awesome. promise my husband <laughs> I would retire. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. And I'm probably might be digging a little deep on you here. Is it, and I always joke with people, I'm a washed up, never was like I had, I, I had some people who are pretty big, say I had potential, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. I mm -hmm. washed out yeah. and never did is it hard for you to go to like drag racing events? No. Okay. No. Cause it's, it's hard for me it. to, to watch like any type of like, cause like I said, I race go-karts all over the country. And for me to like go to any type of circle track or like sprint, like road course races, mm -hmm. it's hard. Like I still, well, cause I critique the fuck out of everything. And like, I try yeah. to put a smile on my face, but like, that's me. And I'm not, that's like going to moped GP Midwest. That was the first time. I had been to a racetrack in probably 15 years, mm -hmm. like, and but yeah. it was fun getting to see my friends just have fun. I mean, that's what yeah. it is. It's just this hobbyist having fun, which is mm -hmm. rad. Um, what was it like I, kind of going back to drag racing? Just even as a spectator, what's that like going yeah. back today? Well, at, at back in the old days, it was really hard because it was like, I want to be here. This is mm -hmm. my, this is where I want to grow up and this is where I want to spend the rest of my life. You know, I want to spend it down the drag race, uh, you know, environment and I want to travel, but then I, I had to accept, you know, I had to have a come to Jesus moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, once I did that and once I faced reality and I said, well, I can be a superstar on the land speed racing environment. Why not? Yeah. But you know, it, it, it is respectful out there. The, the, the mile per hours are respectful out there. I mean, heck they've been doing it for 60 years plus. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, why not just be, you know, why not just grow up and just bite the bullet and yep. enjoy other people and others success, you know, whether it's a female or whether it's a male, why not just enjoy their success and enjoy, enjoy their happiness for their drag racing moment, because everybody's going to have a moment mm -hmm. and everybody, you know, there's people that can win races. Um, there's, there's people that can set new land speed race records. There's people that can take your records away from you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, records are meant to be borrowed. They're never owned. So, yep. I like that. I like that. I've never heard, I've always respected the fact records are meant to be broken, but I like that they're meant to be borrowed, never owned. That's yeah. awesome. That's really well, awesome. I'm going to own one land speed record and that's 376 miles per hour one day. <laughs> well, I yeah. have to go over 376 miles per hour, but, um, that's it's definitely going to be, um, a turn of events. <laughs> so why don't you talk about the first time you, you said that 
door was there for a while. What you talked about taking it, like, what was the first, what was it like the first time going on the salt flats or like, where do you do your land speed chasing now? Like, I know there's a few spots in America they do it at. There's, isn't there like, and I'll let you educate everybody. Yeah. Well, there's uh, three places to do uh, like a full out land speed racing um, at the Bonneville salt flats or Mm -hmm. on the salt flats. Um, we have a Bonneville salt flats here in uh, Utah. It's a little town called Wendover. Uh, and we have uh, Bolivia. You can go to Bolivia um, or you can go to Australia, which I have been. Um, Australia and, and uh, Lake Gardner. Um, I know I'm not saying the right name, but, you know, I'm not. Trust Australian. me, I'm from the Midwest <laughs> small town. It's right to me. Don't worry about it. Thank you. So, um, the Bonneville is, uh, you know, a very sacred, you know, place. And, you know, with having only three places in the world to really do land speed racing. And it has to be, <laughs> my dog, it has to be a sanctioned event in order yep. to claim a land speed uh, record. And you have to go two ways within two hours. So mm-hmm. you have to be very careful and choose your battles of, of which um, event you do go to. So, uh, you know, for the motorcycle world, but, um, yeah, so it's very tough and there's only a short window to even race because the racing world, uh, you know, for our motorcycles start, um, in August. Um, yeah, we can go do a private test session, which we're going to on the BUP seven motorcycle streamliner. And we'll be doing that. Um, we're hoping to do it in March and May, and then go out for the real record in um, August. So we have a very short couple of months of a window to even set a land speed record. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds and like a multiple has season right. in Minnesota. We have a very short window to yeah, we have play, short play with our play with our bikes. Um, what you said you own I on your Instagram you own 10 world records or like what right now mm-hmm. what are you what are you borrowing? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm probably, um, well, the, uh, well, there, I'm not borrowing really much of any of them anymore, okay. <laughs> but, uh, the 328 mile per hour record that I have is pretty much, I'm owned that I own yep. it. <laughs> and I don't know if uh, someone will come up, you know, close for that, but, um, I have a variety of 10 land speed records, um, in my pocket for, uh, of, on a variety of motorcycles and uh, the, really the only you know world record that I want I don't have any world records but I have AMA records uh, American Motor um, Association American Motorcyclist Association and um, the world record which is you know the 376 miles per hour that's the one I really really want to own mm-hmm. for the team and I so what is the setup or like bike and everything? And I realized everybody who's listening to this definitely do your research and kind of look at the, bike. the, I'm putting air quotes, the bikes that they have. The bikes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they look like a freaking bullet is what they look like. <laughs> um, what is, what is the motor consisted of um, that type of deal? Like what's the CC size of the motor, all that. Well, it's a 3000 CC engine. Um, and, uh, it's a four valve, um, uh, we have a, a little turbo, um, and we run about eight pounds of turbo, um, on that and, uh, eight pounds of boost, I guess you can call that. Right. Yeah. 
Um, there's so much information that we have on that bike. It's purposely built for land speed re records. Um, the coefficient to drag is so important and we have 0.08 coefficient to drag. So it will just, you know, go and go and go and go. Edge of lightning bolt. I you mean, know, yeah. it, it, you know, when you want to stop, just make sure you tap the brake at the end <laughs> um, in order to stop a, a high performance vehicle motorcycle like this is uh, by parachutes. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, the, the, the carbon, the, the, the base, the, the, um, the actual uh, frame itself is made out of uh, composite, um, composite envision supply us with um, Kevlar, um, honeycomb, and um, a monocoque. Um, you know, it's a monocoque frame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's all in one piece, the one yep. piece bubble. It's 25 feet long. And uh, Dennis Manning, John Jans, Joe Harrelson, um, Danny Wigger, Joe, uh, Jim Mosier, and um, I mean, the list goes on and on of all these little creatures that have been helping that have yeah. been with this motorcycle for years and years and years. And uh, Chris Carr was the former uh, racer for the Bub 7 motorcycle streamliner. Um, and uh, he's owned two land speed records. So he's had the world's fastest motorcycle record um, twice. So Dennis Manning really wants it back. And mm -hmm. I am his new driver. Excuse me. I am his new rider. <laughs> he would really be mad at me if I said driver. Because <laughs> I do drive a car at the Bonneville Salt Flats as well. But that's a Target 550. That's a 400 plus mile per hour record I have to break. But awesome. I did switch to four, uh, four wheels in between my two wheel journey. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we have a very specialized motorcycle and uh, the team is doing a really great job um, at, re we've been rebuilding it, to be honest, mm -hmm. for three and a half years. Because what, did you guys make it out there this year? Uh, no, we okay. did not. Okay. We were set to, and we were actually on our way to do a private test session and we were going to get um, a, a license from the Bureau of Land of Management. But they're like, oh, we can't give that out to you. Out, we can't give a license for to you this year, but we can give it to you next year. Okay. So we uh, took a seat back, and uh, you know, we pounded sand for a little bit, a few hours, and we um, come up with a new plan. So next year, we're going to get back in the motorcycle. Yeah. Now, I'll remind you, and I don't know if your viewers know this or if you know this, but I did crash at a very high speed. Okay. And that's exactly why I've been, they've been rebuilding the motorcycle from ground zero. And it does take a long time to get this uh, motorcycle perfected. It's mm. a brand new bike, brand new frame. And um, we still have the same engine and we have lots of new parts, but um, I did crash at 363 miles per hour and survived as Jesus. As you can see. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, I'm glad you lived for this podcast. Yeah. Right? No, the that, bike saved. I say the bike saved my life because, if anything, the top priority in building a motorcycle and a streamliner for high performance, you know, for this kind of speed, you have to build a motorcycle for safety mm -hmm. and speed. That's mm -hmm. just the bottom line. Um, and you have to be smart about it. You know, you have to be smart. You just can't go out there and 
give it your all. You just got to make baby steps. Yep. We are the team to do that. Um, do you know what happened? Um, well, I don't, well, we do know a bit of what happened, um, with this specific bike, we don't race with more than three miles per hour of wind in any direction. Mm -hmm. So we normally bring, and we normally have, uh, with us a, uh, a weather station and it's mm -hmm. set up at multiple, uh, weather uh, mile markers. And, um, we weren't able to bring it because we didn't have enough room in our container and it's so big and mm -hmm. um, it's so fragile. It has to be loaded, you know, in one way, in one way in, one way out. So we just weren't able to bring it. So we depended on the event organization to give us a reading for the wind. And, you know, wind changes throughout an 11 mile course. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just not 300 miles per hour for a mile. I'm 300 miles per hour plus for about five to six, seven miles, yeah. you know? And so, uh, you know, I, I would say to you, like my first gear, I'm going to refresh my memory here. My first gear is 190 miles per hour. Jesus. My second gear is about 255. Third gear is about 333. And fourth gear is about 363 miles per hour. <laughs> Jesus. I had to do it once over because <laughs> it's, you know, yeah. can't remember everything, but no, um, I'll forgive you this time. And it, and it does, it, it does vary on different speeds and different race tracks, And, you know, but that's just the heart of the, the four mile or not, I'm sorry, the four speed of the motorcycle. We have very long gears. So yeah, I think so. It's a long gear at 190 miles per hour. And I'm always like, are we there yet? Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you, is it a, gradual is there one gear i mean are they evenly balanced or is one gear shorter than the other i mean i realize meaning like does it get up to 100 miles an hour halfway quick or is it just you sit there and hold on well since i'm in an enclosed vehicle which is mm -hmm. the bike um i don't feel i don't feel the 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 wind on my body and so I'm, you know, completely strapped in with a five prong harness and with an, and with a fire suit. So I don't have leathers. I have a fire suit because, you know, we don't want to catch on fire and I no, got to get out of the machine. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh shoot. What was your question? I was just asking about the gearing, but I did want to talk to you oh, a the gearing, bit yes. about, yeah. about, um, what if you know what exactly happened with the accent there's enough accents right there with me with my add but like jumping <laughs> subjects before you finish um you said you weren't able to pack the weather station um yeah. what well, that that's that's the reason why um one of the biggest issues of what happened and why we why i crashed was because the wind was not um it was too windy for me to run mm -hmm. and um you know, an accident did happen. So we no. just know better. And wherever we go, we will always pack our weather station. So here we go. <laughs> were you injured? I mean, were you seriously injured or because I mean, I obviously you lived. No. Okay. Yep. Right. I, I, I had some cuts and bruises um, later discovered that I had some bad knees because I mean, I don't remember what happened inside the cockpit. So you so, did get knocked out is what you're saying? I did get knocked out. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
I did go to the doctor. I did get, you know, a, a cat scan and you know all that kind of good stuff. Oh so yeah, yeah. I got. A whole, I can race I got again. A whole portfolio of cat scans. Don't you worry. <laughs> we could swamp stories. <laughs> oh, well, like, and people have heard it enough on my podcast. I was almost killed on a bike a couple of years ago when a driver turned out in front of me and shattered my femur, tore my aorta and my heart, and I lived to talk about it. So. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, <sighs> so were you airlifted or were you ambulance toddler? No. Nope. I had, um, this was in Australia as well. So okay. this happened in March of 2018, the entire crew, we have probably like 16 of us. We all went to Australia. We all convoyed in our, um, motorhomes, um, to a very remote area, um, and we all stayed there for 10 days. We packed food for 10 days, water for 10 days. Um, and, uh, so we, um, yeah, we were in a very remote area. We had no cell phone coverage. <laughs> I was not airlifted. However, I did have some really amazing, uh, rescue team. And, um, when we go out and race down that racetrack, everything stops, like mm-hmm. even people, I mean, mm-hmm. they are like so intrigued about, what this bike will do. And then, Oh, there goes Valerie. <laughs> Wait a minute. There goes Valerie. <laughs> yeah. How fast is she going? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so everybody kind of stops for that, you know, and then the, you know, paramedics and the rescue team, um, they, they were on cue. So they were on point. They knew when we were going and they actually showed up to the crash within 20 seconds. That's awesome. So I was trying to fidget to get out and I said, if I can wait, with all my toes and my, my fingers and I, I'm alert, uh, you know, I just wanted to get out of the motorcycle because I just didn't want to catch on fire. And I, I knew it wasn't on fire, but you yeah. just never know. So well, and plus I that's try, probably your natural just reaction to get, just yeah, to get absolutely. away from the accident. Just want to get away. What my first reaction was, I got to see what the bike is. And I got to <laughs> see what the condition, you know, I wanted to know. And I was like, can we go again? And it was like, <laughs> that, that I was didn't the care concussion about me. Right there. <laughs> that was a concussion. T- I was in a, I was in another bad accident when I was a youth. I, I may have quoted days of thunder when the ambulance crew was waking me up. I'm not a car battery. I don't need recharging. So <laughs> I, that's all I kind of remember from that before the yeah. other issues compounded. Um, so what was it like getting back just even on a street bike after that, or did you make any more mm-hmm. runs in Australia after that? Or were you kind oh, of no. done? The bike is done. Uh, okay. it, we're so aerodynamic. If mm-hmm. one little crack is on yep. that bike or something is not right. I mean, we just, we don't take a chance. Um, so I haven't been back in the streamliner yet at all. So that's why we want to do some private test session um, for the team to get acclimated back to our normal stat. And so I have been um, back on the racetrack. I have been riding on and, and racing and, and breaking records on sit-on bikes over 200 miles per hour. Um, I have been on some slower bikes going about 170 miles per hour. Yeah. It's real slow, Valerie. Yeah. Real fucking slow. I know. I know. Right. (laughs) I I mean, I I like to go slow. I like, it's like, I feel like I miss Daisy, you know, I'm a miss Daisy driver, but I miss Valerie driving, (laughs) riding. And, um, I had the chance to ride a Motus, a Motus, 
and it's a pretty darn amazing bike. And uh, I ran into a guy at the Bub Speed Trials or the uh, Bonneville Motorcycle Speed Trials, mm-hmm. and he asked, approached me to ride his uh, Modus bike. And man, I said, well, I'll come down, check it out. Brought my helmet, brought my gloves and brought my boots. And I was like, I got on his bike and I just kind of put putted around through a different area through the pits. And so I was like, I can do this. He goes, well, the record's only like 160 something miles per hour. I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll do my best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went 171, 172 on it. So I kind of smashed a little bit of it, but, awesome. um, but you know, so it, every bike is, is, has been fun. And um, with, you know, everything being said that I, I did switch to four wheels Mm-hmm. Um, driving the Target 550 uh, car streamliner uh, for Marlowe Treat. And so that's been a heck of a ride. I really love four wheels. And mm-hmm. I mean, I love my two wheels, don't get me wrong. But driving that Target 550 has probably been the most funnest, <laughs> funnest four wheel car I've ever drove besides my Bentley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's an individual you might want to check out. He's from Norway. Uh, he's working on a motor. To, he want, He's trying to beat the world land speed record for 50 CC bikes. Um, oh. I'm blanking on his name. He's got a whole YouTube channel called two stroke stuffing. Just uh-huh. this crazy Norwegian. I did freaking awesome. Yeah, I'll have guy. To write that down. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll send you a link for it. Um, oh, perfect. He was just That's on, even better. He was just on Moped Monday's podcast. And like, it made me happy when I found out he was Norwegian. Cause I'm like half Norwegian myself, but um, when it comes to like daily stuff now, like do you, how often do you just get on a bike to just ride these days? Um, or is it just different now I, that you're, after drag racing and land speed records and all that. I mean, it's quite different, but I do like, I need some two wheel thunder and I need some full throttle uh, on a street bike. You know, I do like to ride my motorcycle and this is actually, I still have the same motorcycle. I learned how to drag race on, which is my personal fat boy. It's a year, the year 2000. And Mm -hmm it still as fresh as a daisy and it still is fast. And, um, it's just a a wonderful motorcycle and it was a great start bike, you know, for me too. So, but, um, I do like my husband and I, we do go on some rides, um, and we just ride together. Uh, I don't get a lot of riding in the summertime because, our Arizona weather is like 115 degrees. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's the last thing I would want. I mean, I wear a full face helmet. Oh yeah. Boots, you know, I, uh, I just don't want to be another sweaty Betty. (laughs) (laughs) So I, um, I love to ride it. Uh, my motorcycle, um, when it's a bit cooler, you know, anything it's so much more enjoyable. Yeah. And you want to ride a motorcycle when you enjoy it. You want to have a clear head. You want to just think about nothing. You just want to like absorb, you know, and, and just observe everything that's the surroundings, um, you know, the views, we don't get a chance to see too often mm-hmm. when you go on really long rides and, you know, that's a, that's some of the hiccup I have. Like I've been fortunate enough to go all over the country for like moped rallies and stuff like that. And like, I've got enough 
AT, ADD or whatever in me. Like I get nervous. I get nervous around people I've never ridden with. So like I'm mm-hmm. looking at the front tire and the person left me like, and, but I'm also trying to pay attention to the skyline. Like when I was out in Santa Fe a couple of weeks ago, so beautiful, but I didn't know any of these riders I was with and they're all safe. Nobody did anything dumb, but like, I didn't yeah. know that at the time. And that's, that's why I always like going to a place for the second time to ride. Mm-hmm. Cause then like, yeah, okay. I kind of know some more, I know the layout a little bit better and like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind riding with new people, but as long as I can be in the front of the pack, that's, you know, or the second row or something. I'm usually I don't hanging mind, out way but... in the back because. Oh, you're the back ride. Well, <laughs> the then I can kind of fuck off and do whatever I want and like be a, be a jackass back there and nobody gets <laughs> mad at you. Um, I like to give high fives and I like to come up to, you know, like the, the, the light, if we're at a light, yep. I like to turn off my husband's um, ignition. <laughs> Do people get so, I did that to a scooter people this last I weekend. Love it. Oh, they get so mad. And like, I know my, they do. <laughs> my big thing is if I see people taking photos, I will ride my moped up on the curb and like photo bomb them. I did that oh, no in way. South Carolina somewhere. Yeah. A wedding got me in their photos and like <laughs> the bride wasn't happy, but everybody else was laughing about it. And like, it's, I realized I ride a children's toy and just have fun <laughs> with it. It's like, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll have, to, if I get out to the Southwest, I'll have to Instagram you, let you jump on one of my hobbits. Like I don't have a 300 mile an hour bike, but like I have a little 70 CC bike that does 65 mile an hour, which is insane for the power to weight ratio on that thing. Like, yeah, that's, that's what it comes down to for myself. I mean, I'll never touch your speeds or anything you're doing, but like, I do want to get out to Bonneville sometime. It's like one little, I look at the old what made American racing American racing was the Indy 500, the Pikes Peak Hill climb and Bonneville speed runs. Like, mm-hmm. and I've been to, I've been to Indy 500. I've been to Pikes Peak Hill climb and I've got to get out to Bonneville. Like that's just, oh. I've Once been to Bonneville. You're going to get addicted and you're just not going to, you're going to just want to take whatever bike you can build. You can build it for the class. You, uh, you know, you're just going to be, salt fever you're gonna get it i promise you <laughs> um i don't know if i'd race i just call them out. i'm that dork they'll come i know out you go out there and you go out there and spectate but no you're gonna go out there and you'll race and no I, I i could bet you a thousand dollars and it's on video right now and i can oh, get you a thousand dollars you go out there as a spectator you're coming out there as a writer yeah probably I because you. i'm a i'm a speed junkie I'll be the first Absolutely. one to admit it. I always said to people, like when I yep. first got into mopeds, all I got to do is 40. Next thing I know, I've got one of the fastest bikes in Minnesota. Yeah. Like I'm, Absolutely. I'm not saying it's the fastest. I'm not saying that, but there's not too many people who could actually keep up with me right now. I mean, there's <laughs> one or two, but you know, it is what it is. Like I, and it's that I got into, I'm totally veering subjects, but like, I remember seeing an interview from the American dream dusty roads years ago. And he talked mm-hmm. about it edge of the lightning bolt. Like, and you know, more than me, like once you get on that edge of the lightning bolt and you're controlling it, like mm-hmm. there's nothing like it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And there's no room for errors. <laughs> no, no. Um, I can't thank uh. you enough for coming on Valerie. 
um, to second can, chance. Can I, not a, not a multi I, I know I have a, this week. I, I really like your name of the second chance because I actually have a second chance at a new career coming up. <laughs> just What's that can I just be? take take a, a little note of it? Well, mm-hmm. I am a a pickleball player. I use pickleball for my fitness regimen and. You know, my second chance, my new um, born career will be my pickleball career. (laughs) I said, I'm going to be a pickleball champ and I'm going to be a racetrack champ. So first I'm going to do the racetrack and I'm going to do the Mm 400-ish, maybe. You know what? We're not like saying we're going to go out there and go 400. However, all we have to do, we're a conservative team. We want to just set the world on speed record and go over 376 miles per hour twice because I have to do back-to-back runs within Mm -hmm. two hours. And then they take the average of those two runs and that equals my speed. If I can squeeze 400, okay, fine. That's great. But um, after 400 or whatever the speed is for that record, I'm done racing. And I do uh, want to start going on tours for the pickleball uh, in the pickleball community. And I played in my second tournament um, last weekend and I took two silver medals. Awesome. In the mixed doubles. I played with a, a, a male and then I played ladies, women singles. So mm-hmm. I silvered in both categories. So I, I'm on a good start for um to become that, you know, to, to get in there, you know, and get things done on the pickleball card. I will tell you pickleball and going eight rounds in pickleball tournament and playing up to 15 (laughs) is a lot more stressful than going 300 miles per hour. I'm not (laughs) kidding you. And I said, I'd rather go 300 than play in the pickleball tournament. But now I go home and I'm like, I look at my medals and I think about all the things, how I've improved. And I've only been playing pickleball um, since February. So I, um, um, I've even built a pickleball. We even have a pickleball court in our backyard. That's how that's much so I'm awesome. into it. I have a ball machine too. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so rad. Anyways. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's my second chance of my new, next new, newborn career. There you Looking go. Um, but I don't think you're getting rid of bikes anytime soon. Um, I'm not, you know, if I can educate and teach people and maybe, you know, even if it's behind the closed doors, like in marketing or, mm-hmm. you know, just to try to like educate, you know, like what it's like, cause pickleball and racing go hand in hand. There's so much like you have to control your heart rate. You have to control your speed. You have to control your power. You know, I'm control. I am in control of that mm-hmm. paddle. I'm in control of that throttle, you know, on that motorcycle. And there's just so much of a wonderful relationship that pickleball and racing does have. Pickleball is the world's fastest growing sport. However, I know I am it's the blowing up. Fastest female. It's blowing up all over the place. <laughs> USA Pickleball um, Association sent us a portable pickleball court. And when we were racing at Speed Week this year and we raced at the Bonneville Motorcycle Speed Trials, we built a pickleball court for the first time ever and was in the Utah Utah, um, newspaper for playing. We played with the mayor of Wendover. It was so awesome. awesome. Yeah. No, that's right. You should try pickleball. You'll... 
I tell you, you'll lose about 15 pounds, right? I probably will, but like my leg still isn't right for my accent. So like I make it to the gym. I do all that stuff, but like (laughs) me, me going side to side. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's just a small side. You know, I used to be like a grasshopper on the pickleball court, but now I have a trainer now and he tells me, he's like, just put your foot out. Just (laughs) I'm like, I got this. Nice. It's like I was um, dancing on the court. Now I'm like, you know, a slow riding on the court. I know they just built like a huge, like a whole indoor pickleball court in Northeast Minneapolis. Like I just saw it on a moped ride actually. So like, ah. and then like my ex-wife, I was talking to her tonight. Um, Yeah. She's gotten into pickleball. So like, yeah, I know it's, it's blowing up. So it's huge. It is yeah. the world's fastest growing sport in America. You in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I hope to play in the uh, Olympics one day. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I can't. Yeah, that'd be I'm excited. I'm for not going anywhere. That. <laughs> but that's good. And that's rad. You're still chasing that. You got a new goal to chase upon your other goals as well. Um, yeah, I, I just can't have think- to have my knees to keep up with it. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. No, no, my knees are. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay. From that crash, my knees got destroyed. So, you know, it wasn't up until later that I discovered I had bad knees, but I did play pickleball with my knee doctor. Nice. Nice. Um, (laughs) Try ice baths for your knees. Like my, um, we're totally on a different subject folks, but I don't care. Um, I was a youth wrestling coach for years and I'm a social person. I'm always reaching out like I did with you. And I ended up befriending some of the people who were either on or just getting on the U S Olympic wrestling team for freestyle guys and girls. And my friend Tamara found out about my accident and she goes, Jim, for your therapy, try this, that, and this. And also ice baths will be the best thing for, she oh. went into the science and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And Oh my God, that was the, I can't tell you if you have, thigh or knee or ankle pain load Mm -hmm. up a bathtub with like ice cubes and then turn on the cold water it'll take about 30 seconds for you to control your breathing but it was better than any drug i took it was just like so good and like my friend tamra just won the gold medal in the olympics this past summer so oh wow i think it was 47 kilos she wanted in and yeah yeah which made me very made me very happy because she is such a spunky awesome fun person awesome well send her my best wishes yeah yeah. (laughs) um i'm serious (laughs) like really (laughs) no no no, definitely definitely oh Um, i just said siri and siri's coming up oh no (laughs) (laughs) siri we're not talking to you um talking to you All right. Uh, thank you so much for coming on again, Valerie. Uh, thank you. You are an awesome person. Mm-hmm. I will have to hit you guys up if I get into the Southwest again. Um, it was it was a trip. Like, and I imagine it was totally different from you coming way up north down there. But like, I was a kid who grew up around cornfields and soybean fields all my life, and then I saw like the Southwest. I'm like, man, that's rad. It's different. Yeah. It's rad. Um, yep. But one thing I always tell people um, at the end of every podcast, um, and I'll have to tell you, we'll have to modify it a little bit. Uh, Thank you for coming on. You always have a place to stay in Minnesota if you and your husband find your way up here. And don't forget, mopeds are dumb. Thanks (laughs) for coming on, Valerie. (laughs) 